This is a mini podcast on gestational tropoblastic disease. GTD are tumors that arise from the fetal chorion during pregnancy. How do you diagnose these? Well, if you see a rise in HCG and you have no intrauterine pregnancy or extrauterine pregnancy, you need to suspect this diagnosis. You can have a partial mole, which is less than 1% risk of malignant transformation. You can have a complete mole, which is approximately 15% malignant transformation. When a partial mole and a complete mole transform into a malignancy, the gestational trophoblastic disease becomes gestational trophoblastic neoplasia. So that's the transition from GTD to GTN. In all other scenarios, it's always malignant. So GTD is partial and complete moles that can become GTN. Gestational choreo, placental site trophoblastic tumor, and epithelioid trophoblastic tumor are always malignant. So a little more about partial moles. What is the ploidy of a partial mole? Partial moles are triploid. They have two sperm, so they're dispermic. And classic chromosomal complements are 69XXX or 69XXY or 69XYY, so triploid and dispermic. The most common way you'll see a woman present is with a missed abortion. You'll see on pathologic evaluation from the products of conception, minimal trophoblast hyperplasia. And you will see fetal tissue because it's a partial mole. Your differential would be a hydropic abortion. In hydropic abortions, you do not see hyperplastic tissue. So again, partial mole, minimal trophoblast hyperplasia, and fetal tissue. Rule out hydropic abortion. A complete mole is diploid. 46XX, 46XY. It also is important to remember that complete moles are completely paternal. No maternal chromosomes. One sperm fertilizes an empty egg and then duplicates. So there's no embryo and it's diploid. Pathologically, you'll see a lot of trophoblast hyperplasia, way more than partial moles. And on immunohistochemistry, P57 staining will be completely absent, indicating no maternal component. P57, P57 is a maternally expressed gene, and because complete moles are all paternal, you will not see P57 staining. It's a way to differentiate complete and partial mole. Clinical presentations of complete mole is a patient with size greater than dates, 
thecolutein cysts, vaginal bleeding, preeclampsia, hyperemesis, hyperthyroid. Much more noticeable, much more clinically profound. However, with the advent of early ultrasound and early pregnancy interventions, really seeing this kind of presentation would be uncommon uh, in the United States. How do you manage molar pregnancies? Well, you consider DNC or hysterectomy. And you consider that based on how old the patient is in front of you and what her fertility concerns might be. If she's young and wishes to preserve fertility, then obviously hysterectomy would not be in line with her goals of care, and you would lean towards DNC. But if she was older, done with fertility, a hysterectomy is very reasonable for a molar pregnancy. And following DNC or hysterectomy, you would monitor the HCG every week until it's normal and ensuring good contraception. When would this become GTN? So we talked about the risk of developing GTN from molar pregnancy, around 1% in partial moles and 15 to 20% in complete moles, but how would you actually diagnose it? Well, definitions of GTN, there's three different ways. One, if your beta quant plateaus after a DNC, over four different values for three weeks. So over a three week period of time, you get four HCGs and that number does not move. Or, or if it rises over a 10% amount for three values over two weeks. So you take some baseline and you compare it to three subsequent values and you've noticed there's a 10% increase in the baseline HCG. That's GTN as well. And finally, it's also GTN, so malignantly transformed mole, if the HCG persists for six months after a DNC following a molar pregnancy. How would you develop choriocarcinoma? Well, you actually can have malignant transformation of molar tissue to develop choriocarcinoma, or more commonly in my mind, the placenta contains cytotrophoblast and syncytiotrophoblast elements, and that proceeds to choreo. How would PSTT and ETT present? Well, look for someone with a very low HCG with a prior pregnancy many, many years ago who comes in with a regular vaginal bleeding. 10% of these women may also present with nephrotic syndrome. And pathology will show mostly intermediate and cytotrophoblastic cells. What if you're concerned about a false positive HCG? There's always this concept of heterophilic antibodies, you know, the classic patient who works in a veterinary clinic and is exposed to um, antibodies that cross-react cross with human antibodies and circulate in serum at low-lying levels. So 
if she comes in with a beta quant on serum testing that's positive, and you're trying to differentiate if it's a false positive, then just obtain a urine pregnancy test because these heterophilic antibodies do not excrete in the urine. And so the pregnancy test should also be positive if there's truly a true positive HCG. If the urine pregnancy test is negative, you'd be much more concerned about heterophilic antibodies. You could also do serial dilution serum tests. And if you do serial dilution serum tests, you, could, you should still see a positive HCG no matter how far down you dilute your serum test. Now, a patient has a mole and you're doing a GTN workup. You're concerned that this patient had um, GTD and now it's converted to something malignant. What's the workup you're going to perform? That's right. You want to get a quant, HCG, urine and serum ideally. You want to do a physical exam. Particularly, you're going to look for vaginal metastases, but you would not biopsy these. These can bleed a lot. You don't want to do a vigorous exam either. And if you see vaginal metastases, you may want to avoid transvaginal ultrasound. You would also get a chest x-ray because the WHO scoring system incorporates chest x-ray to score for lung lesions and not CT. You would also get a pelvic ultrasound, coags, and type and screen. You would also get ROGAM, or pardon me, RH typing, because ROGAM may be indicated. Now, how about the workup for choreo, PSTT, and ETT? Well, you would perform many of the same tests, a quant, a pelvic exam, a chest x-ray, because there are certain um, there are certain scenarios where you would use the WHO scoring system, um, so a chest x-ray would be helpful. You would also get a CT of chest, abdomen, pelvis, and an MR of the brain, particularly with choreo and PSTT, ETT, because there's a predilection for metastases and um, brain metastases. So there's scoring and staging with GTN. Staging is really simple. Stage one is uterus confined disease. Stage two is uterus and genitals. Stage three is lungs. And stage four is all the other sites, liver, wherever else. So that's staging. Scoring is a risk assessment. And the WHO score is assigned to patients to determine if they're a high or a low risk GTN. What are some of the parameters that are in incorporated into the WHO scoring system? Okay, so age, over 39 or less, the prior pregnancy, whether it was a molar pregnancy, an, ab an abortion, or a term pregnancy, the time since the prior pregnancy, four months or less, four to six, seven to 12, or over a year, what the HCG was right before you started treatment, a thousand, 1,000 to 10,000, 10 to 100,000, or over 1,000. 
the largest tumor size seen on imaging, less than three centimeters, three to five, greater than five. Metastatic sites, lung by chest x-ray, vagina. Next, spleen or kidney. Next, the GI system. Next, brain and liver. And then how many METs you have. Zero, one to four, five to eight, more than eight. And whether they had a prior chemo failure with one drug or two drugs. A low-risk score is zero to six. A high-risk GTN score is seven and greater. You are automatically high-risk if you have PSTT or ETT. So you're only staged, you're not scored, if you have PSTT or ETT.